Lekutasiches, volume 17, the third sicha for Emor. This article is titled, Who Will Redeem or Inherit Me? Concerning a Jew's slave's redemption, the verse states, I quote, He shall have redemption, one of his brothers shall redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin shall redeem him, or the closest relative from his family shall redeem him, or if he becomes able to afford it, he can be redeemed, meaning on his own. Now, from these two verses, we, we extrapolate that the, we are hereby taught that the nearest of kin takes precedence to redeem the slave. Questions. Number one, he can be redeemed on his own, takes precedence over all relatives. Hence, should have been listed first rather than last. Question number two. Being that the verse lists many relatives and in the order of the nearest of kin takes precedence, why then does it not list first the father, as we find in the laws of inheritance? Over there in Maimonides, the laws of inheritance, chapter 1, law 3, I quote, If the son, the deceased, does not have descendants, the estate returns to the deceased father. If the father is no longer alive, we look to see if the father left descendants, i.e., the brothers of the deceased. Those are the two questions. The explanation. The verses here are speaking of one's descent for not observing the agricultural laws of the sabbatical year, which brings upon him an order of physical descent, in which if the lighter Punishment, descent, meaning having to sell off his movable possessions, doesn't arouse him to repent, it gets harder and harder, meaning selling his properties and then himself as a slave to another Jew. To the point of, even harder, sold to a resident non-Jew, and to the lowest point of, or to an idol of the family of a non-Jew. Now, it is self-understood that the physical descent, lower and lower, is a reflection of the individual spiritual descent. Being that, number one, Maimonides in the Laws of Slaves says, a person who sells himself as a servant is not permitted to sell himself to a Gentile, not even to a resident alien. So obviously he's committing a sin, a spiritual descent. Number two, Rashi says upon these verses, one who has been sold as a servant to a non-Jew, that he should not say, since my master has illicit relationships, I will also be like him. Since my master worships idols, I will also be like him. Since my master desecrates the Sabbath, I will also be like him. So this, obviously, if he can even say such a thing, he obviously is dealing with a spiritual descent. And number three, how much more so one who has sold himself to the service of an idol? Hence, the obvious question, how can a Jew have fallen so low to the point of selling himself to the service of an idol? Only that this descent begins with one disconnecting himself and forgetting of his Father in heaven. With this, he has forgotten the love and fear that exists between a child and their father. As the prophet bemoans in Malachi, it says, quote, A son honors a father, and a slave is master. Now if I am a father, where is my honor, says the Lord of hosts to you? Mystically speaking, he is lacking the revelation of his father, which is the faculty of wisdom of his soul. Wisdom is called father in Kabbalah. 
As explained in Tanya, chapter 19, I quote, The faculty of wisdom in the divine soul, and in chapter 18 explains, Wisdom is the faith in God is beyond comprehension and understanding. Let's go back to chapter 19. It is merely dormant in the case of the wicked, not exercising its influence within them. Hence, he does not feel how every sin, even a minor sin, renders him separated completely from God's unity and oneness. End quote. However, when one sees that, quote, even he who commits a minor sin transgresses the divine will and he is completely sundered from God's unity and oneness, then they are prepared to sacrifice their lives without any knowledge or reflection, but as though it were absolutely impossible to renounce the one God, end quote. With this, we can now understand, on the mystical level, why here, the redemption of a Jewish slave, and in the Torah portion of inheritance, the father is not mentioned. Why? Because death, on a spiritual level, is, I quote you from the Talmud, the wicked in their lifetime are called dead. Or, on an even more refined level, I quote you from the Zohar, one who descends from his stature upon him is called death. And this form of death happens because he forgets of his father in heaven, which then causes the father, wisdom dimension of his soul, to be in a state of sleep. And I quote you from the Talmud in Brachot, which says, Sleep is one-sixtieth of death. Hence we are speaking here of the death of the father. Therefore the verses speak not of the father redeeming him or inheriting him. For if the father dimension were awake, alive and able to inherit or redeem within him, then, I quote you from Ecclesiastics, wisdom gives life. And there would be neither death nor slavery. Now, just as one's being sold into slavery is a reflection of a spiritual descent, so too concerning his redemption which the Torah commands and obligates the relatives to he shall have a redemption, and two, the verses he shall have a redemption is also to be read as a promise and not just a commandment, that it speaks internally of a spiritual redemption as the verse dictates that he shall go out in the Jubilee year. And the reason being because for the children of Israel and serv are servants to me, they are my servants, and therefore, as Rashi says upon this, my contract, meaning God's contract with us at Mount Sinai, that we are his slaves, is first. The internal explanation to the spiritual redemption from whichever lowly status he may be in is, at Mount Sinai, we became eternal slaves to God. They are my slaves. My contract is first. And this became our very essence and hence never can be taken away from us. And even when we do the opposite of God's will, nevertheless, our relationship with evil, quote, sold to the service of idols, end quote, is only an external covering placed upon our essence, for our essence, being a servant of God, can never change. Hence, it is an absolute definite that, quote, he shall have redemption. And as a side note, and with this we can appreciate the opening of the Torah portion, which is, and the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, which is the all-encompassing general introduction to an entire portion, for it is the power of our reaching Mount Sinai that it became, my contract is first, they are my servants, which is the reason of the end of the portion, he shall have redemption, that regardless of how far one has fallen, it is definite that he shall have redemption.
With this, we can also glean insight into the longevity of Rashi's comment. The verses state, and your brother becomes destitute with him and is sold to a resident non-Jew among your you. Or, the Hebrew word is le'aker, which means to that which must be uprooted. Simply, it means to uproot, namely to an idol of the family of a non-Jew. Now, upon this, Rashi explains, quote, the family of a non-Jew, without the word le'aker, this expression means the Jew is sold to an an idolater. But when the scripture says le'aker, literally to uproot, make, making it the sentence saying le'aker mishpachat ger, it refers to a Jew who is sold to the idol itself. Le'aker meaning that which is to be uprooted. He becomes an attendant to it. He does not worship it as a deity, but to chop wood and draw water. End of Rashi. For where does Rashi take that the Jew did not sell himself to the idol itself, as the simple verse is reading? And if it is because it is forbidden for a Jew to do so, it is likewise forbidden for a Jew to sell himself to, quote, becomes an attendant to it, end quote. More than this, it is forbidden for a Jew to sell himself to a Gentile altogether. However, this is precisely what Rashi is telling us on a mystical level. Even such a Jew who fell that low, that he not only sold himself to a Gentile, but to become an attendant to an idol. Nevertheless, even such a Jew would not sell himself to that idol itself. For this is, quote unquote, something that is completely impossible. Why so? For even before he is redeemed, it is not that there isn't by him any memory of his Father in heaven, only that, as we explain presently, this memory is in a state of sleep. It's there, but it's in a state of sleep. The wisdom within his soul has not been abnegated, only that it presently is, quote-unquote, in a state of sleep. Which therefore, quote, when they, meaning the wicked, are confronted with a test of faith, then it, meaning the faculty of wisdom within the soul, arises from its sleep to withstand the test of faith in God. Hence, even such a person could never sell himself to the idol itself. And this is what Rashi is telling us. Nevertheless, being that this individual's memory, meaning his soul's faculty of wisdom, father, of his father in heaven is in a state of sleep to the point where he is no more master of himself but instead is quote unquote sold to a gentile to the point of quote unquote to the idol itself therefore he cannot redeem himself as the ruling of the talmud a prisoner cannot free himself from prison thus the answer to the question why the verse that not list the slave redeeming himself first However, being that the Torah's goal is that the help from his relatives, the nearest of kin takes precedence, is to transform the slave's inner dimension until, as the conclusion of the verse says, he becomes able to afford it, he can be redeemed on his own. In conclusion, the very opening of the portion tells us why it can happen that a Jew should fall into a situation in which his faculty of wisdom is in a state of sleep, and together with this, the verse gives us the solution to the problem as well. What is the opening verse? And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, you shall say to them, When you come to the land that I am giving you, the land shall rest a Shabbat to God. What does this mean? 
The challenge begins with the fact that the Jewish people are leaving the protection of the clouds of glory and eating the manna, in which they were occupied only with spirituality. Now they have, you come to the land, in which he now must quote next verse, you shall sow your field for six years, and for six years you will prune your vineyard and gather in its produce. Hence the descent of the individual as he submerges himself into the land, the physical and the cause, causes his faculty of wisdom to fall into a state of sleep. Therefore, verse 1 immediately stays, and the Lord spoke to Mount Moses on Mount Sinai, which gives the individual the strength that even when you come to the land, ultimately not only he shall have redemption, but even more so, we will transform the land of Canaan into the land of Israel. That there will be, quote, the land shall rest a Shabbat to God, end quote and in which we will ultimately, ultimately, la'aker, uproot the idolater. And we all will clearly see, as the verse goes on in, in verse 23, the land belongs to me, capital M.